So when is a franchise entry not a franchise entry? Is the question that I think we're going to ponder this week. That's a really good question. It's like yeah. the Halloween 3 question, right? Yeah. 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 And that was kind of, you know, we've talked about Halloween 3 before because that was supposed to be 2. And they were going to right. do the anthology thing. And then the fans were like, well, we want Michael. And so they made a second Halloween. And then they tried to anthologize it. And then it was like, no, this isn't Halloween. We want Michael Myers. You're Michael s- Myers is Halloween. How many examples of that are there where there's a, a moment in the franchise where it is just something all Tokyo Drift. Tokyo Drift. Okay, in, in the Fast Because it's kind of a spinning off, different yep. world, new characters. Yep. yep. Yeah. But that's about I feel like there's another fast. one it's we're still, missing. You're right. Crimes. It is still about racing cars real fast. I mean, this movie is still about people getting murdered. That's true. That's true. You're not wrong. It, you're the Saw expert here, Arthur. Is is there any of those that sort of feel? I mean, Spiral? Spy- yeah, I mean, yeah, right, because that feels like New City, New Killer kind of a thing. Yeah. That's sort of like a soft reboot, too. Yeah. I'm trying. I feel like there's another one that's like kind of like Yorna from the uh, Conjuring universe. Maybe I mean, we got Hobbs and Shaw. That's a Fast and the Furious. I mean, that's, that's a whole a spin-off, spin-off movie. Yeah. So I mean, but it's still branded as. Yeah, it's still like Fast and the Franchise, Hobbs and Shaw. So I guess that's the question: Was when is it a spinoff? When is it? I feel like this is decidedly main camp. I mean, they called it the Final Friday, even mm-hmm. though it wasn't, but they thought it would be. So right. I guess it well, they knew it wouldn't be. They, they knew it was gonna be the last one well, before the whole They couldn't call it Friday thing. the thirteenth. Yes. That's was the, the thing. Yeah. Because of rights with Paramount. Yeah, New Line Paramount had not had, quite acquired that from New Line had the Jason rights. Mm-hmm. Paramount had Friday the thirteenth rights. Right. Interesting. So they couldn't call it Friday the thirteenth because of all the legal And yet Sean S. Cunningham is still a producer on the it's very confusing. But he comes back to do this, yeah. And he's back as a producer on um, Jason on Friday. And it's Jason. his first one back. Yeah. You're correct. Correct. Right. It's his first one back. What was the last one he had done? Two or three. Gotcha. Yeah, it had been a while. Okay. So he did the first yeah. couple and then took off. Yeah. And then uh, Frank, I can't think of his name, Jr., who was a PA on two, I believe, mm-hmm. really becomes kind of the producer guy for the rest of the franchise for a while. Mm. That's, that's so interesting that there's sort of the same trajectory on the Friday movies for some, like, because the Saw movies are another good example of this, where, like, it was yeah. a whole farm team. Like, people's had their careers start and, like, be be fueled by one franchise. Yeah. It's a weird history. I mean, and there are instances where it's like, they just got the guy to get the job done. You know, mm-hmm. was the soccer porn director or... Right. Know, whoever they could find. And then, you know, they've got for this one, we've got a fresh out of film school, 24 year old, just there making this movie, uh, which is With a like wild money in a suitcase. He kind of like looks a monster, like right? he looks a bit like Kevin Smith uh, <laughs> in his uh, talking heads. And in the, in the, uh, so I watch Crystal Lake Memories. That's why I'm somewhat versed in talking about this right now. Uh, before it all falls out of my head, because it's a lot of it's a lot of documentary. Yes, we got and we got a lot to set up for the dear listeners. So first of all, hello everybody and welcome again to the Good Trash Honorcast. I am still Dustin. I am still Arthur, and I am still Dalton. Although I might be taking the form of uh, either a dark bleeding heart or maybe even a worm, I'm sort of flexible on the physical form that I take. Worms it's, tend to be flexible. It's been so long that we've talked about an actual singular movie that I forgot that we have like show notes and segments and things i had to be prepared for yes indeed this is the show in which we talk about the films you'll never discuss am i am i ranking my top no jason kills this week no, is that no, what we're doing no. is we're, this i know list? arthur i also have <laughs> forgotten how to do anything but rank movies sequentially uh, i don't know how to think about them in a, in a deeper form so we i can to, give you my my listing if we need to later i, in the I can rank my fridays i can rank them i've got a list on letterbox i did it this I was don't. my blind spot i finally this was the the, the movie franchise of these 
slasher franchises that I had not really caught up with. I'd seen all the Halloweens. I'd seen all the nightmares. So I'd seen Friday the 13th and the reboot and Freddy versus Jason. So when the great pandemic of 2020 hit and there was nothing to do, I, I finally caught up with most of these because they were streaming in various forms, I guess, because of rights issues on different platforms. Uh, but this was the one I never got to uh, some for some reason. So I finally got to it. Thanks, Kirsten. Uh, yes, this indeed. is Thank you, Kirsten. In a way, the first proper Friday that I've watched. Because you'd only seen the reboot. I No, I'd seen the reboot. I've seen Freddy versus... I saw Freddy versus Jason when mm. it came out, and I saw Jason X when it came out. Uh, so okay. Oh, yeah, you haven't seen a Friday movie You're yet. You're working yeah. backwards. Exactly. I'm sort of working on the franchise in reverse chronological order. Yeah. <laughs> the water, what a, what a taking experience. the worst possible route. That's, that, that's, that's on par. The yeah. reboot's better than that's most of the original franchise. how I live franchise. my life, Dustin. I take the, the, the worst possible route. The reboot is kind of fun. I like the reboot too much. So You um, like the reboot a lot. I do. We've, which we've talked. That's the only <laughs> Well, the Friday. reboot just sums up the first three movies. Which is a nice that jump into it. Handy. Guys, people have to know what we do. Do they? They have uh, to know okay. what we They've do. They've been listening to us for 10 years. If they don't know what we do by now. I like that he <laughs> wants to assume that somebody new is going to jump on. Somebody could be here for the first time because it's a Friday the 13th movie. That's and true. it's going to go in their podcatcher because fair. they're into that. And so this is the show in which we do film studies analysis on films that you'll never find in a film studies course. And true to form, we have... Friday the 13th, no Friday the 13th, but Jason Goes to Hell, colon, the final Friday, which is Friday the 13th, part nine, I guess. Kind of. Sort of. Yes and no. Yes. Kind of. It's legal. Mostly Friday nine. We're going to say... F9. Uh, Anyway, so that's... Uh, That's a different franchise. That is F9 is a different thing. That's a different thing. That's Fast and Furious 9. This is Jason 9. This is Jason 9. J9? Yeah, J9. Sure. You can call it J9. Okay. Uh, anyway, so... and Legally can't call it Friday 9. In case you've tuned in for the very first time, this is an analysis show, not a review show. So if you're thinking about watching this movie, um, we are going to be spoiling it. But we're going to avoid spoiling it for the first part of the show to give you an idea whether or not you want to watch the movie, which will open up with a little bit of review. We'll actually we'll do review just a little bit uh, to let you know just our general tastes and takes on the film. Then we move into a little exercise, which is quasi-academic, which might involve the gentlest spoilers of this film or films in its orbit. And then finally, we play music to let you know all spoiler bets are off. We have gotten down to business and gotten down to our socks and ready to do that work. Uh, And that's when you know we're going to talk about what happens to everybody and how it ends and all that good stuff. Spoiler stuff uh, is uh, where that flag gets waved at that point. So there you go, dear listener. You have been warned with that. Arthur, let's hear a synopsis of J9. Jason Goes to Hell, the ninth of the Friday the 13th films. It's kind of like T2. It's J9. Yeah. In the ninth entry of this long-running franchise, the evil spirit that possessed Jason is in search of a new host. But to survive, they have to have one thing in common. Dino DNA! (laughs) (laughs) Or Voorhees DNA. Velasa Voorhees. Velasa Voorhees. (laughs) Okay, so... Before we start, sh- shall we crack open the mythology real quick? We, we, we've already sort of talked about shall the production we? history of this. This is the first movie that tries to establish a mythology. Yeah, that, which is an interesting jumping in point for me. Uh, because yeah. that was my understanding was they don't really address how Jason's invincible before this movie, right? Jason's a deformed kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, somehow becomes a grown man by two. Mm-hmm. Even though he probably died. There's well, a weird time gap. If it's from 57 to 80... If that's the time frame, or seven, you know, seventy eight, yeah. seventy nine. I mean, he would be an adult by the time the. But he's just been living in happened. the woods. Yeah. But maybe 
living in the camp. Okay. Because he saw his mom die. Right. He was the, he was but there when from afar died. I guess. Okay. Spoilers on part one. We're just going to spoil the entire franchise right no, here, right now. Gonna, yeah, we That's fine. Care. We don't care anymore. We we lied. A day sure. later. Uh, <laughs> well, we got to spoil the whole franchise so we can talk about so this the one. first three movies. Or, or yeah, the first three movies take place over a weekend. First four movies. First four movies take yeah. place over like a weekend. Okay. So the time logistics are all over the place. Make zero sense. None of that has anything to do with him being supernatural. He just seems to be maybe super. Ad, like strong. adrenaline junk he's, junkie. Yeah, he's durable and uh, resilient, and probably is. Um, not particularly sensitive to pain. He has a high pain threshold. Gotcha. And can, yeah, just overcome the odds. I mean, he's he's at times agile, at times slow and clunky. Um, he doesn't get the mask until three. Weird. He doesn't get the hockey mask until three. It's so mm-hmm. iconic, too. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah, it is. It totally works. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, once they find something that works, they stick with it. Yeah. Boy, Four is... When's the machete come in? That's immediate. Early. That's mom. That's mom. Oh, that's mom. Oh, that's right. Pamela's got the machete. Yeah. I've seen, yeah, yeah I've her. seen a really cool shirt. A chat yeah. pile. Uh, yeah, Oklahoma-based noise rock outfit uh, has a Pamela Voorhees shirt that looks really cool. Yeah, uh, yeah, the head comes off via machete um, of the mother. So that's gotcha. early. That's, okay, that's the matter. Second one, he's running around in the town that dreaded sundown. Get up. Yeah, the um, bag. Third one, he gets the mask. Fourth one is Tommy Jarvis, right? With uh, Corey Feldman playing yes. Tom, Tommy Jarvis. Okay, um, kind of gets to meet his match. Five is the copycat. The copycat, copycat. right? When when grown up Tommy Jarvis is in a uh, an asylum because he's, he's in a got halfway house PTSD. Yeah, for obvious reasons. But he yeah. goes to a halfway house. Halfway house uh, on his way out, and um, uh, someone posing as Jason begins to pick off the various inmates and uh, staff. Gotcha. For a yeah, for a reason, uh, and so that's kind of the first end of the the, the franchise. Mm-hmm. Then we get six, six, which is. Tommy the Jarvis, one. yeah, that's when Tommy Jarvis comes back to desecrate Jason's grave and as resurrects he, him. As he's desecrating the grave, he stabs it many times with a pole he's stolen from the uh, cemetery uh, yeah, fence, fence post, which gets struck by lightning, all of Frankenstein. Yeah. Yep. And this is where we begin with Zombie Jason. Gotcha. Yes, and then that's invincible. That's Jason. also the one that's very meta, very campy, hilarious. It's a lot of fun. What's it called again? That's Jason Lives, right? Jason Lives, part, part six. Jason gotcha. Lives, and that is Alice Cooper's on the soundtrack. A hoot and mm-hmm. a half. I enjoy that one quite a bit. A uh, good time to be had mm-hmm. there. Seven uh, is telekinetic girl. The telekinetic girl, which was initially a kind of a stand-in for a Carrie crossover or the Freddy crossover. I can't remember. It, it, well, it does very much feel like Jason versus Carrie. Yeah. Kind of idea. Um, that's kind of cool. That one's kind of fun because, uh, again, that's the one that's like kind of not a Friday movie. It kind of becomes a Friday movie because it starts out with her. Uh, she's being studied by a psychologist. They're trying to work through this grief, but he's also trying to manipulate and use her. But there's neighbors also weekending in the next cabin. So, so because there that, are. That's very obviously. much. That's very much the Friday sort of DNA in it. Yeah. What you're both telling me is it's sort of got the Die Hard thing, where like every movie in the franchise was very clearly its own separate kind of movie and got turned into a Friday movie. I would say I one through four. I think are pretty consistent. Yeah. Okay, but a lot of yours. But then five is like five's kind of got that. Where thing. the yeah because. That was an idea of like, how can we make it? Because the first one's really a whodunit kind okay. of a thing, and so five really tries to reinvoke that idea. Gotcha. So it's, it, it does seem five one of those was ideas how do like, we get back to our roots? Yeah, it okay. feels like we had good intentions, we just couldn't execute, and that feels like kind of the recurring theme through gotcha. the back half of the franchise. I think seven is uh, a bright light there. I think people do have do yeah. like that one, and I like six a lot too. Uh, yeah, I think six is the one of the better ones. Okay, uh, eight is Manhattan. 
Yeah, which, which I know is, everybody's it's sort of widely regarded as the worst one. It's Jurassic right? Park it, too. It's bad. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and then nine, uh, which is where we are. Which now. is where we are now. Now we should discuss. I kind of like this movie. I don't really know a lot about Jake. I'll go first since okay, I'm, go I'm sort of the the Friday the Thirteenth franchise virgin. Uh, this movie's interesting. <laughs> You'll live. Yeah, yeah you've, you've got a great success rate. <laughs> hey, all right. I don't know. I smoke a fair amount of dope, so I might be getting decapitated. Uh, yes. Yeah, you're done. Yeah, I'm toast. Uh, Sorry. Speaking of toast, this movie. I'm a dad. I'm dead. Oh, yeah. Dad's getting murdered big time. I don't know what my fate will be. Uh, uh, you're. F- yeah, I don't know. I'm the pure of heart, but I'm also like the fat comic relief guy. So. Yeah. Oh, Shelly. You definitely have mixed Yeah. Up. You're Shelly. Big Shelly energy. Oh, man. I'm He's sorry, three. pal. This is okay. I was going to say, I have a feeling this is a He's franchise reference prankster. I don't mi- get. Okay. Uh, this I, <laughs> so maybe it's because I like the movie Fallen, but I think this is cool. Uh, Jason's heart is so filled with evil, dark knowledge that a, <laughs> a, a, a coroner can't help but eat the heart and become Jason. I don't know. That's sort of interesting. Uh, and then Jason just like goes through a, a handful of host bodies like in Fallen. Uh, but every time he walks by a mirror, it's Jason. That's pretty cool. That's that's a very clever image. And they still brought back Kane Hodder. You know, they still got him working. You know, did you notice Kane Hodder without makeup? No. He's one of the yeah. guards outside the um, the uh, more coroner's office. Oh, okay. He oh, calls okay. Jason a cat. He's got he's, yeah, going. Gotcha. he's the one with the um, either goatee or mustache. He's got like a kind of mullet. Gotcha. Looking, okay. Yeah, got that's mustache. Kane Hodder. Oh, that's Without cool. makeup. Yeah. I only recognize him as an older guy. I don't recognize mm-hmm. him as a younger guy. Um, interesting. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's dumb. I mean, this movie's dumb as hell. <laughs> but I see why our, our, our dear friend Kirsten, who picked this movie for us, gave it five stars on Letterboxd. I, I, I can kind of see, if you're watching this whole franchise and you watch Jason Takes Manhattan, which is, again, agreed upon to be pretty bad, uh, and then see this kind of weird experimental entry in the franchise, I'm like, okay, I get it. I, yeah. I see liking this one. Yeah. I, it's weird. I did sort of try to go through... Uh, I do a light surveying of Letterbox, and this is not a beloved entry in the franchise. A lot of people no. don't like this one. Yeah, no. diehards hate it. I'm yeah. pretty sure because it's not a, as you mentioned off air. It's not a Friday movie. No, it's not. It's a Jason movie, and it's a. And as I, Arthur said off mic, the director of this movie said about his film: "If you want a movie where a guy in a mask kills people, there's eight other ones where he does that." And I, I think that that's a fair defense of a kind of out there film that also has some sort of proto-scream, like, meta-slasher stuff going on in it. I, I really think that that's interesting. Like, they, they actively acknowledge the tropes of a Friday 13th, the 13th movie within this film. Uh, again, it's got this this interesting sort of Jason's a demon uh, passing between different forms mythology going on. The Necronomicon shows up for a second. Well, there was hope to get the Evil Dead franchise and have Freddy versus ja- Jason versus Ash. Yeah, well, that's yeah. a comic book Which that was exists. a comic that eventually was made instead yeah. of the film, which yeah. would have been great if we could have got it. Would be pretty cool. Uh, yeah, it's just, it's a weird little movie, but I'm sort of on board with, you know, it's it's barely 90 minutes. That's actually not even 90 minutes. I think it's 80 something. I think it's 80 and change. Uh, so it's you know doesn't outstay its welcome 88 88 there you go the kills are like really cool uh yeah i it's a dumb as hell movie but it's also doing some interesting stuff oh we haven't even talked about the like the hard copy thing it's doing with american case yeah. or whatever it's, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's like a cross between america's most wanted and hard copy and it's 
kind of this interesting narrative through line for the movie to use to kind of be able to jump around a, a few different things. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm on board with this. It's, it's goofy and dumb, but I, I think that this is interesting. And if I, I, you know, if I had come at it, this franchise in a different way, I might feel differently, but this being my first, again, as Dustin's by Dustin's measuring, I haven't seen a proper Friday movie yet. Uh, by seeing this Jason X, Freddy versus Jason and the Friday the 13th reboot. I've oh, seen well, that. That's a proper Friday. That movie. one's a proper Friday. Movie. I would say it is. Well, yeah. and that, yeah. Oh yeah. In that a case, Friday movie. I do prefer this to the reboot by a lot. I thought that reboot was just fine. I know you like it a lot, Arthur, but I, you know, I was sort of whatever about it. This is worse in some ways, but it, like in other ways, it looks like shitty Sam Raimi. And that's still pretty cool. Like the camera's doing some interesting things in this movie that, I find interest like it gets me excited when things are happening in this movie. There's also just weird characters. The characters of the diner are bananas, <laughs> and uh, I'm on board with with that sort of anarchic energy in a movie all the time. So yeah, I'm I'm on board with this. Uh, Arthur, you you're the Friday the Thirteenth scholar this week. <laughs> How do you feel about this one? Uh, I don't really have a buy into this franchise. Uh, this is you know not a franchise yeah, you I came love. To it late. Yeah, and it's not one that I'm like, I'm going to revisit the Friday movies like I would with Halloween or not even. I mean, I'm not a, you know, a huge Nightmare guy, but I would prefer Nightmare to this just because I, I think the imagery. The Halloween movies, I don't think. There's like two good ones, um, which is much the case in these franchises, right? And uh, I just have a bigger tie in, I think, with Michael Myers and Halloween as, as a movie as being better than anything else that has come out of Camp Crystal Lake. Um, but I, I do see, to your point, like with Kirsten, we mentioned, uh, I, I I would say, like, you know, watching this franchise, it's like, how many times can you do the same thing? And so from a creative aspect, you know, the behind the scenes of this is how can we visit the story and do it in a new way, especially the people who are returning crew, writers, et cetera, score. Because um, I think uh, Howard Men- Menfredi, Mendini? Menfredi. Menfredi. He scores a good number of most of these. Nearly all of them. Yeah, a lot of them. I'm not sure if there's an exception. I mean, there's a lot of recurring production people. There's a lot of recurring uh, individuals behind the scenes, behind the camera. And so it really is kind of that constant challenge of how can we do this in a new way without repeating ground. And I think this movie takes that to heart to really try and do something new with the concept, yeah. you know, it isn't a Friday the 13th movie because of Paramount's legal rights. It is a Jason movie. And we've seen him murder teenagers seven times already. So eight times. Well, not well, yeah, yeah, sorry, yeah, that's the, Pamela, yeah, the catch. Yeah. Well, one's Pamela, one's the, the cop. No, yeah, that's true too. So six times, but yeah. you know, somebody behind the mask, uh, eight times. And so, I, I, I am very sympathetic to the idea of how can we do something new and unique with mm-hmm. this. And I think that uh, I admire that about that. I think this is the strongest thing is this structure of t- trying to develop a myth. I mean, we've already been introduced to this somewhat supernatural Jason. Is he a zombie? Is he possessed? We don't know. It doesn't make a lot of sense. Maybe he's just a Frankenstein. Um, and so to try to build out that world it, it is super late in the game. And I think if I were a diehard Friday one through four fan, I would be very livid about this entry as well, but not having a buy-in, I can appreciate the value of doing something new, doing something unique. You've got a kid. I mean, the director himself has said he was kind of out of his element because he was fresh out of film school and, and come in to do this uh, and was really outside of his means. And so, but he, he tried to do something. And so it is an instance of, 
There's a lot of good stuff on paper. They just don't have the talent or expertise to pull it off. I'm not a huge fan of the actors, the cast. Uh, yeah. Uh, outside of Kane Hodder. Kane Hodder is the, on- the only repeat mm-hmm. Jason. Um, and it's How many times? He did it like four re- times though, right? Four He's or five? Done it, uh, ever since seven. Six, six, six or seven. Six or seven is yeah. his first time. Gotcha. And he is... Yeah, Jason. Because I know he's Jason X. Yeah. And he's Freddy versus Jason. Yep. Right? And yeah. No, he's not Freddy. Oh, he's not Freddy versus is Jason? He not? Somebody okay. else. I forget who, but somebody mm-hmm. else. But yeah, he's you know, he's done it the most. And I think for good reason. He 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 big just does it so well. And he's a stunt director, stunt person background, so he understands how to do all that. He understands movement. Yeah. And he really defined and, and one of the cool things about this is uh, you know, they said having their because he's not really in the suit much. Mm-hmm. Uh, so having them there on set, he was kind of an advisor for everybody else who gets possessed to be like, okay, this is how Jason moves. This is how Jason would react. This is how Jason does this. Interesting. So he's kind of like taking on that more of a, uh, advisee type advisor type role, which is kind of a cool thing I yeah. think, for him to be the expert on Jason, which is fun. Um, John LeMay, who is our glassed protagonist, we have a male protagonist, which is a weird kind of shift as well which is probably another thing that's very against the grain Mm -hmm. here uh but john lemay was actually cast because he was in friday the 13th the tv show he was the lead there for two seasons um and so they they pulled him in from that um and so i I just i don't the nerdy guy in glasses no offense to anybody here at the table (laughs) (laughs) i am a nerdy guy in glasses but it's kind of hard to buy him I'm as... I'm not a compelling protagonist as a nerdy guy with glasses. Yeah. No. I, I just don't have that buy-in. I don't... Hills Have Eyes remake was good with a nerdy guy. Okay, yeah. I haven't seen that. A, he's pretty good there. But it's like an argument. Because his arc there is, you know, nerdy dad? No, he's not a dad. Nerdy, nerdy husband. husband, boyfriend. Nerdy husband, boyfriend to, like, killer of zombies. Mm-hmm. So the same role well, Killer John, of hill folk. Well, I mean, that's what John LeMay is here, right? He's yeah. the mm-hmm. father... Ex husband, yeah. boyfriend, dad. yeah, yeah, and it's weird because is he a teenager? But oh, he's the dad. I mean, you know, there's weird kind of dynamics. There's so, a lot of things they don't explain. Like, what's the deal with him and uh, no, Diane's the mom. Diane's the baby's grandmother. Jessica. Yeah, yeah, right. Well, yeah, what's the deal with him and Jessica's relationship? We don't yeah. ever get into that. Well, he's so, her baby daddy. Then that's well, but like, what happened with why he's not? Oh, why he's not? Why, yeah. why he her and the baby? Yeah. They just have a disagreement. But yeah. it's kind of alluded that he's never seen the baby, doesn't know about the baby. Like she like ran off and yeah. started a new life, maybe. Yeah, yeah. 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 So like he might know weird. about the baby. It's hard to. Yeah, it's, it's, it's hard the to first tell. time he's seen it though. I yeah. think he even says that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but anyway, talking a lot about this, uh, I, I think it's just kind of a, a middle of the road entry for me. Mm-hmm. Um, there are things about it I really do admire. I think it. I just can't overcome the the cast. Uh, it, it, everybody here is not great. You don't like Stephen Williams as Creighton Duke, I just, the cowboy bounty hunter. He's in a different movie. Creighton, he is. What movie Creighton Duke's and in? And yeah. I just, I think he's. I don't know. I, I I do like that jail scene between him and Lemay. The mm. finger breaking. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty fun. I think that's it doesn't cool. make any sense. But does, it's cool. Yeah, it doesn't make no, any bloody sense at all. Sense. No. Yeah. Uh, and again, I think it's just you know poor characters and poor performances, but I, I, there's something cool about that idea. Mm. Um, but for me, this is kind of a middle of the road entry. It's not the worst one I've seen, but it's not my favorite of them. And so, uh, as a person who has very little buy into this franchise and has now watched much more content on it than I ever should have. <laughs> um, no, there you are. Always I, be watching. Uh, yeah, I, I'm very middle of the road on this. I don't hate it, but I also, I, I see things to admire, but I don't love it. 
is where I would be. What, now, Dustin, you have seen a lot of these in theaters, right? I've seen, I've seen all of these in order. In theaters? Yeah, uh, no, not in theaters. No, okay. I mean, 80s is the first one, so I was, That's, yeah, I was born. T- yeah, duh. So, I forget oh. how old you are sometimes yeah. because you have such an ancient sort of energy. Bye, then look. <laughs> my, ne- no, my, my Necronomicon, I have my backpack here. Let me pull it out real quick. But no, I, uh, it was one of those uh, VHS at the video store kinds of series that I watched and then dubbed directly with two VCRs like one did back then yeah. in the early, late 80s, early 90s. And so I, I've, I've, I've always known this series. This was my first total horror series i had seen quite a few friday or nightmares as well but it took a little while longer before i sort of pieced together my nightmare watching so this was my first horror franchise okay uh for the most part uh this and then uh quickly followed by hellraiser and uh and i've always liked this a bit more than i do the hellraiser franchise although i like the hellraiser franchise a lot as well uh but this movie is an Excellent instance of what what seems to me like a new moon direct to video horror film. It is just mm. exactly, yeah. and I like those movies. Mm-hmm. I, I I like New Moon. I like the the, the sort of schlock of it. Yeah. Uh, the the uh, dist- film former distributor, I assume. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. it, and it's a direct video uh, distributor, and they they make a. I mean, I think the Evil Bong movies and Ginger Dead Man gotcha. and Demonic Toys. Those are all them. Those are all them. Um, and then so they're, they're they're none of them are great, but they're they're interesting. They're fun. They've got a nice little you know good cover art uh, for kids running movies on a Friday night when mom says rated R is okay. This movie has a really cool poster. Yeah. Fun cover art. So, I mean, it's got all of that kind of stuff working for it. But that being said, is it a Friday movie? No, it's really not. Is that okay? Probably it's fine. But as far as ranking it within the franchise, it, for me, gets a pretty low ranking because... It's just not that thing. It is a, it's a different kind of thing, and it's fine of itself, but I would almost rather have just seen this movie rendered as some sort of you know slasher killer. We could come up with different, interesting, iconic imagery for that, because iconic imagery for a slasher killer is plenty uh, bountiful to be found. And so I, I would almost rather it not even bother with being a Jason movie, is really what I would have preferred. Uh, because as is, it doesn't really work as a Jason movie, because... It is inserting a mythology way late in the game. And which well, is, it introduces its mythology late in the movie. Which is entirely abandoned by Jason X. Jason X has not this mythology at all. Jason's got some sort of cryogenic, uh, not cryogenic, uh, genetic mutation, which in, uh, allows his invulnerability and invincibility that they're studying somewhere in the That's way, right. I totally in the way about future. That. Right? Yeah, so yeah. It, it's a scientific explanation for that. So Jason X doesn't even stand in with any of the rest of the, or Jason 10, however you want to render those words. Uh, it doesn't even work with that. And then really the follow-up is uh, Freddy versus Jason, which actually is a very fun movie uh, as a Freddy movie and a Jason movie uh, put together. So for me... I have, I have fond memories of that movie. Yeah, it's, it's a good time. You yeah. know, the, the needle drop happens when they get to fighting. They, they do the things right for fan service the way you want that fan service to work itself out. And so for, you know, for that, I think a lot of it works. Now, with this movie, it's, again... It's fine. It really is fine. But there's something about the gritty realism, even when it's zombie Jason, that uh, works in those movies. That it is a movie about this This guy is going to run through this bunch of people, and we're going to figure out which one's going to live. We have a pretty good idea which one's going to live because we get more information about that character. But we don't know how she 
usually, is going to make it. Although sometimes it's a they that are going to make it at the end of the film. And this doesn't really play in that same kind of camp because of its possession story. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it feels like a movie that is made when the clock is running out and we're going to lose some rights and we want to sort of put our flag in the ground for the eventual Freddy versus Jason and also Freddy versus Jason versus Ash. And so for that, it comes off kind of clunky for me. Uh, but that being said, I, I we were talking about this off air. I love the stunt of the glasses kid jumping over the handcuffs. That's cool. That is great Buster Keaton acting right there. And I'm all for it. So I like um, the uh, the weird grid shape on the um, the when the coroner gets his first kill on the other coroner, the guy that kind of looks like Ted Raimi, mm-hmm. and he smashes him into the table. And he's got this great grid uh, wound on his face. Yes, some cool makeup in this movie. So, but the thing for me, I guess, is it, it just why it doesn't work is mostly because I do have expectations. And I, I I am coming... I'm going to a burger joint for a burger. Mm. And they're not giving me... You don't me, like that they have tacos. They're, they're giving me tacos. And I like tacos. And it's and it's fine when I'm ordering a taco. But that's just not what I ordered when I came to this movie. Well, and that's the thing about... I. Th- my argument would be that's uh, the, the Friday the 13th franchise is the um, jack-in-the-box of horror franchises. It gives you a, a lot of different offerings. <laughs> Fair enough, I suppose. But uh, anyway, so there you go. Uh, those are our thoughts. We, we, we're having a good time, but it may not be uh, cinematic history either. So with that, let's move on to our little exercise we like to call Expanding the Syllabus. Dalton, can you explain to the dear listener what that's all about? Well, earlier, Dustin told you this is the show where we talk about the films you'll never discuss in a film studies course. Now we're going to talk about Jason Goes to Hell, the final Friday. In an academic context, we are going to try and create a film syllabus uh, or a syllabus of some kind. It doesn't necessarily have to be <laughs> film class. But we're creating a syllabus for a class that uses Jason Goes to Hell the final Friday as part of the classroom material. Uh, how will we do that? Who will be left and what will remain of them? Uh, let's find out. Arthur, how are you going to teach the final Friday? Uh, I'm probably going to be very vanilla here and just go with the slasher. Well, I don't think I, that's a fair pick, though, because this is kind of a meta slasher movie. Yeah, it, it does play with that in the opening. Like we said, uh, the the first kind of five minutes is stereotypical, uh, capital F, uh, capital, lowercase t, capital one, uh, Friday the 13th uh, <laughs> uh, trappings, right? We've got the hot girl and she's getting in the shower and the lights are dropping off. And Oh, she's got to get on a ladder. And, oh, and the doors are closing and, oh, he's in the mirror. No, he's not. And, and then there he is. And then she's a nude FBI agent or something. I don't know. Uh, that's kind of a wild choice. Yeah, the FBI but, uh, ropes in to shoot Jason a thousand <laughs> times. Incredible. Um, I will say, I didn't mention this earlier, one thing, I, I really like the, the, the opening credits here with the sequence title, sequence title. Like, I, mm-hmm. I like that in movies, and mm-hmm. I think that's really cool here. Um, but yeah, I would probably go with the slash. So it does kind of have that. It builds on six is really the meta slasher. It's really kind of poking fun at slashers. Mm-hmm. So it kind of feels like it's hearkening back to that. Gotcha. Um, so I would probably just kind of look at that, the, the slasher and the evolution of that and the trappings of that and talk about Final Girls. And again, we've already mentioned this kind of subverse that by having a, a male protagonist. Uh, so the kind of rare uh, final guy uh, shows up here. Um, but I'd start with uh, 1960 and we'd look at both Psycho and Peeping Tom kind of uh, mm. across the uh, across the pond. Uh, dual films that really go hand in hand with one another from... Uh, um, Michael Powell and uh, Alfred Hitchcock and um, 
look at uh, the dramatic influence those two movies singularly have had on the slasher genre. Uh, from there, obviously, we talk about John Carpenter, Halloween. Uh, then we would talk about Friday the 13th, the original, and Pamela Voorhees, who's not named until much later in the, the franchise. She's just Mrs. Voorhees for a long time. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Huh. Uh, and then we would look at Nightmare on Elm Street. Uh, the kind of the, this is the trifecta for a long time of slashers. Uh, obviously, after Friday the Thirteenth, you get all the spinoffs. You get Prom Day, Prom Night, and uh, uh, Bloody Valentine, and all these. Stepdad. Yeah, you get kind of these uh, <laughs> all these bottom barrel. I, like, yeah, if you've got an idea, we can turn it into a slasher movie. Well, the thing they point out in Crystal uh, Crystal Lake Memories is that. Uh, if you've got a holiday, we're going to make a slasher. There's April Fool's Day yeah. and prom night. You know, there's like mm-hmm. anything that we can turn into a slasher based on a holiday we're going to do. Um, so you've got all those. But, I mean, it is it is Michael, Freddie, and Jason. And, and, you know, for a long time, there was also talk of that crossover. Could we get those three together? Right. And so we got to talk about the big three uh, on, on Mount Rushmore there. Um, beyond that, though, we would talk about Scream. Obviously, Wes Craven, that first kind of uh, really Kevin Williamson script for Scream is influenced pretty heavily by uh, Friday the Night uh, Friday the Thirteenth Part Six. Is it? Yeah. Oh. Uh, so there's some kind of DNA there as well because that that really does play with the idea of the slasher and what to expect and and the the genre tropes. What to expect when you're expecting to be murdered? Yes, 100. <laughs> uh, so we would talk about Scream because I think there is some intrinsic DNA there, uh, and then we jump into time. Uh, we'd probably look at Happy Death Day. Uh, which uses a genre trappings of a slasher to do just some really fun stuff with uh, a Groundhog Day uh, bit as well. Uh, and then just a great performance there uh, that has a lot of heart and, and emotion to it. And I think it's just a great, fun uh, play on the slasher. Uh, it has a lot of those trappings, but it's more than. Uh, and then really burrows a science fiction sequel, which is a weird uh, what a time weird traveling part thing. Too. Yeah, uh, it's a fun little franchise. But uh, we'd go Happy Death Day. Uh, but then I would end with Ty West X, uh, mm. which is very much a self referential. Yeah, self referential meta slasher. You know, that's uh, about making a movie and a lot of conversations of what happens in slashers, and then those things in slashers start to happen to our cast. Uh, but it's also about a bunch of sexy people who are doing the things you're not supposed to do in these movies. Uh, and in the background, we got televangelists and Americana and a very specific time period uh, in in our country and in Texas. Um, and so we would probably end there with Ty West's X, which I also really, really uh, like as well. Um, but I think it would be a fun conversation to be had about slashers. Very cool. Very cool. What is your syllabus looking like, Dalton? Uh, my syllabus is focused on possession and uh, this idea of losing losing your body, not being at home in your body anymore something else taking up root or residence and forcing action from you uh, so we'd look at things like uh, the already mentioned uh, denzel washington movie fallen which we all love here uh, mm-hmm. really just a good movie just a really cool movie we did an episode on it right yeah i yeah. thought so yeah that's right we did it for always be watching denzel uh just a kick-ass movie uh if you haven't caught up with it um also of course look at william peter blatty and william freakins the exorcist you've got to uh see our recent top 100 movies countdown for the reasons that we like this movie um i think it made dustin and i's list it didn't make your list right arthur it did it did oh it was a triple crown movie oh nice uh yeah i there's a reason that this is sort of the possession movie 
um, because it does a lot of really interesting things with the idea of possession, both uh, in terms of the religious element, but also the scientific element. Like it really goes the extra mile. But uh, next, I'd kind of go off the beaten path uh, a little bit and look at uh, Kiroshi Kurosawa's Cure, which is not possession proper, but is maybe sort of possession maybe by way of hypnotism. Yeah, exactly. Maybe. And record players? Mm-hmm. It's a form of possessions taking place. Uh, I would also look at, speaking of killers who you kill with other bodies, uh, Brandon Cronenberg's Possessor, which is a film that I have not seen, but I've heard a lot of really interesting things about. I, I hope to catch up with it soon, but uh, I love Andrea Riceborough, and I love Christopher Abbott, and I've heard their their performances in that movie are pretty ex... Uh, ex, ex yeah? Exquisite. Oh, Exquisite. There we go. I was trying... Words. Got stuck on Astonishing for a second, but I had already had the X sound out. Good God. Uh, next... A very, very freaky possession movie, Jordan Peele's Get Out, uh, and uh, also be looking at uh, Candyman from 2021. The, mm. uh, oh my God, what's her name? Nia DaCosta. Thank you. Nia DaCosta's uh, 2021 Candyman, which is, I, I think, a really cool idea that is very yeah. similar to Jason Goes to Hell and the idea of what if you were being... The, what if what if overnight you became the bad guy of a slasher movie and yeah. you had two identities going on, one who is you and one who is doing murders in your skin? Uh, really interesting movie that, uh, again, I've never seen the original Candyman, but is definitely in conversation with that first film uh, while still being very yeah. much its own thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, a really interesting movie from last year. Lastly, we would look at The Witch uh what an interesting movie uh yeah sort of a different play on possession with this one sort of possession via idea uh being uh, the idea is taking root in somebody's head and that being the thing that possesses them but anyway all of these films deal with the loss of your body the loss of your personhood in some way or fashion and uh or, or the the mutation of your persona into something new and i think that's what all these possession movies give us is is this idea of um the robbed uh being robbed of your personhood and being turned into something evil uh is a, sort of a a trope throughout fiction that we seem to be uh stuck with and uh, we love telling these stories dustin you also wanted to do something with possession right yes i do and i think uh part of this is inspired by i just i spent part of this last week reading again men women and chainsaws uh by carol clover and which is a movie not about final girls, a uh, book not a, about a book final? not about final girls. Gotcha. I mean, the final girl idea comes from it. That's really not what it's about. And one of the major things it's about is this idea of identification as an audience that we identify mm. with um, people in a cross gender kind of way because the general audience for these films are obviously teenage to early twenties boys, and yet we identify very much with these female victims and how there's sort of this transgenderism at work in identification and in this film it's an interesting other spin on a different chapter in the book so that's from the uh, first chapter there um his body her body himself that's mm. that's the chapter where we have final girl discussions and this idea of point of view camera and the use of identification but the next chapter starts dealing with this idea of possession films and how the victims of possession overwhelmingly are female and this film the victims of possession are overwhelmingly male however the only suitable vessel for possession does turn out to be the female character Jessica or her uh, daughter. Her, well, and it turns out to be her 
Well, Diane. eventually becomes her mother, yeah. yeah. Um, and, and so it sort of plays into that role. And so thinking about this idea of female possession in this film um, and the ways in which we gender many of our horror tropes. And so I would I would think I would do this as a module about gender and horror, which could be in a, a, a numerous kinds of classes. From what I know about Possessor, it sounds like it would fit really well into your class as well because yeah. it's a woman possessing a man. So it like really which is throws unusual. some interesting uh, gender stuff into its its conception of possession right um and so in terms of films to add to this i think two i'd add to your list i think i'd use your list wholesale but i would also add alien oh yeah which is a possession film but it's with a scientific kind of possession rather than supernatural kind of possession Mm -hmm. but it's the same kind of idea Mm -hmm. uh there and again gendered in many ways there as part of that conversation and then i'm gonna use uh another schlocky 80s film which is 1987's witchboard which is a, a Ouija board possession film, which is a lot of fun and it's ridiculous, but the same kind of idea of the woman as the possible vessel for possession here. And they're sort of uh, proclivity towards this. I mean, one could probably use Rosemary's Baby if you want to show a Polanski movie, but I don't, so I won't. But that's about, another movie that... What about c- Ghostbusters? Ghostbusters, I think, oh, okay. also works on that. And there's, yeah. there is some reference to Ghostbusters in that chapter. Gotcha. So yeah. uh, that is a movie that definitely does the same kind of thing. I don't know if we'd show the whole movie... As much as clip it. If you're in a film you space course part, already, though. yeah, you probably already know it. But, but uh, you know, again, those assumptions you have to make when you're making those uh, culling choices. But it would be it would be a good example uh, for that. That seems like a tough call to make. Do 19 year old film students right now know the classics? Um, if you're a 19 year old film student, maybe. If you're a film student because you want to take a film class, if you're a film student because you're in a film class because you need an elective, you don't. Okay. That would be my I'm general curious about that. call, but I, I don't know what the answer to that is. But also, what's considered a classic to the, the you know the, the up and coming film lovers, right? Like what what is for? Well, that's what I'm curious. I mean, the, is it film loving mm-hmm. zoomers? Like, yeah, what is what is, is it a bunch of the canon odds movies? Yeah, it's like yeah, classic Probably. movies. You know, like The Dark Knight. You know that old movie about Batman. Uh, well, I'm, it's not yeah, wrong, but uh, definitely not. I don't think Ghostbusters is going to make the cut. Yeah. I could be wrong though. I think I mean I think you're very likely to be correct. They probably have seen a remake or a, a the legacy, new one, the legacy, legacy reboot. Yeah. yeah, than they are to have seen that. Because uh, Zoomer's parents are like what mostly Gen Xers, right? Right. Well, so maybe they've seen Ghostbusters. Yeah. Then. If you're an Xer yeah. like me, Ghostbusters on regular rotation. Yeah. So maybe yeah. If you if you got a you're a cusp millennial work. at best. <laughs> he is a cusper though as much as he hates to admit it nah I'm a little bit <laughs> he grew up Gen X he did I, I really he did kinda, yeah yeah. he had, he was raised by boomers that's the Gen X experience yeah. well I was raised by I oh was, that's true Grace Generation yeah, yeah your yeah. grandparents are a little bit older than yeah, I, I always, yeah. for, always forget they're uh, a bit older than I always expect them to be mm-hmm. so yeah we're talking 30s birthdays for them yeah, 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 yeah I was boomer raised I got a boomer and a Gen X boomer cusper so yeah, and that it definitely informed my film taste for sure. Yeah, it will. Oh, yeah. Okay. Definitely. Well, that's another word. Sort of talking about anything but film, film analysis. <laughs> the so, final Friday. Well, well we're sort of. We're, we'll get there. Let, let, let's do. Let's let's try to get down to business with the final Friday. That's right, dear listener, and that business is, as always, analysis. Okay, friends. Yeah, we're, we're talking about... Here's your getting, chance. We're talking about getting into film, right, and what films are considered essential. Mm-hmm. Uh, which slasher films are essential? Like, th- this is... And which, like, series are I essential? I listed them earlier. 
Yeah, you did, yeah. I guess. I guess <laughs> well, we've they're like Mount Rushmore's, <laughs> right? So there's like the 70s, 80s move. So you've got to get a Texas chainsaw. And a you Halloween. Gotta get a you got to get a Freddy. you got to get a Halloween. Now, there are purists who don't think Texas Chainsaw is a slasher. I'm kind of with them, and I agree that it's a different sort it's of It's an movie. exploitation film, though. Yeah. Um, well, it's weird. Through, it's, through it's one of the things. Young but, yeah. people. But it doesn't... There are Texas Chainsaw There is a final movie. girl in yeah. Sally Hardesty, but mm-hmm. there's not the other trappings. We don't have a person stalking mm-hmm. for kills. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's yeah. just a family of They've made Texas monsters. Chainsaw movies that are slasher movies, yes. but that first one definitely is about I just a... kind of think it gets lumped in there because there is a final girl. It was kind of one of those, that. this is what the genre could have been kind of things. Mm-hmm. I, I think about martial arts films, and you might say, okay, so you've got you know your Bruce Lee films that come out that really sort of universalize that. Before that, you've got Maya Darren's Meditation on Violence, which shows another possible direction mm-hmm. they could have gone. Now, I think that, so obviously, I, and I already did it already, I've done the thing, but Halloween and Psycho are kind of the ones people go to, but Black Christmas has to be sure. mm-hmm. in that conversation, I think. Yeah, well, I mean... It, it, and it, Peeping it, Tom, not people, people usually go to Psycho, but Peeping Tom, same year, similar, I mean, very, so very spiritually linked to Psycho. So here's the question, what is the essential in terms of individual films, or in, essential in terms of franchise? Because Texas Chainsaw, I would say, I don't think I don't really think of it as a franchise. I mean, there are sequels to it, a ton of them. But really, it's the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. That's the movie. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. That 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 is I the agree. movie. Uh, Hellraiser is a franchise, even though they, the the quality drops off considerably after the second film. Yeah. Uh, but it, it 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 functions as a franchise in the same way that Nightmare does, the same way that Friday does. Halloween. Also a yeah. franchise, but as you mentioned, Peeping Tom or Psycho. Psycho's a franchise. Yeah, I, I guess it does. Is it? If, I, if you're I, saying Hellraiser, and if you're yeah, doing I, I think it's back in part four, so you've got that. I, I mean, Psycho just overshadows its sequels, and I think it's the case that I think. But I think it's more point. of a franchise than Texas Chainsaw. I think that's fair. I think it's got the same problem where it's overshadowed. The original just sort of looms large over yeah. the entire franchise. I mean, franchise. in that sense, Jaws is a franchise, yeah. right? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. And Halloween's the same way. I mean, yeah. there's not a Halloween movie that comes fucking close to the first one. No. Not right. even a little bit. No. 2018 is it's okay. Good. It's good. But I've Carver never seen the Rob cool. Zombie yeah. one, so I can't really speak to it. I you know, saw different. both of them. Yeah. They're fun. I it's like them. It's a different kind of movie. They're, di- they're different movies, Isn't though. there a Michael movie that opens with him getting ambushed by the cops and shot a million times? Maybe I think that it's like five or six open. I'm not similarly. I've not completed. It's been a long time since I've seen them. Is those, Halloween's Halloween is kind of my horror franchise as well, Arthur, because they um, AMC when they do Fright Fest or whatever they call yeah. it. Yeah, they they were always running when I was growing up the the Halloween sequels. So that that's those are the ones that I've seen the most of is the Halloween yeah. movies, and I'm pretty sure one of the the later sequels opens like basically the same way where he's out of commission for part of the movie for mm. some reason. Hmm. Um, but it's it's sort of a it definitely feels like a, as we're talking about, you know, singular slasher movies versus franchise movies. All of these franchises definitely seem like they come to a point where they're like, "Well, we got to do something about this main guy because he can't keep killing people forever." And obviously, Michael's gone a couple of different ways. Uh, this goes its own way. The Saw franchise finds a way for him to be dead for half of those movies <laughs> and still doing stuff. So it is interesting that all these franchises. I mean, like, the Nightmare kill ones. The killer. Nightmare makes sense. Nightmare is the only one. I mean, there's nothing drastic. They kind of method the mythology, right? The mm-hmm. thousand souls of whores yeah, or whatever yeah, it is. Yeah, and, son of a thousand maniacs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, they, they try to do that kind of supernatural thing there. But... And they try to do possession in part two. I didn't even think about that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, for our possession class. That seems to be the most consistent franchise, though, right? I would say so. I think it helps that it's 
one. It's got the fewest entries. Hellraiser is pretty consistent. So seven, six. Uh, New Nightmare is part five, I think. Oh no, New Nightmare is part six. That's right. I was going to say there's a few of them. Because three is Dream Warriors, four is also Dream Something. Uh, the Dream Child. Five is Freddy's Dead. Yeah. Six is New Nightmare. Six is New Nightmare. Freddy versus Jason. Seven. Freddy, and then the and reboot. reboot is eight. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, I think that that's kind of widely considered to be the most consistent of the franchises. I, I, that's what I always, you know, I've never seen those middle entries. You know, I've seen the first one. I've seen Freddy vs. Jason. I've seen New Nightmare. I yeah. love New Nightmare. But I, I'm, I've never seen those middle ones, the kind of the horror comedy. Dream ones. Warriors is fun. I've heard Dream Warriors like Dream Child. One, yeah. I like yeah. Dream Warriors a lot. I know people like those. Which a one's lot. in 3D? Oh, that's uh, that's Freddy's. No, that's Freddy's Dead. Yeah. Freddy's Dead's in 3D. I, I used to have that box set, and so I'd watched all of them at one point, but. Mm. Is there anything so as we're as we're kind of picking apart the slasher franchise? Is there anything that this is sort of doing uh, that that sits in in these lineages that makes it sets it apart as a franchise entry? I mean, we've sort of talked about how it tries to establish mythology for Friday the Thirteenth. That seems to be a misstep for most horror franchises. Well, it's establishing a mythology for the sake of the crossover. I mean, that it, what it seems to me is a, a fumbled version of how do we get Thor, Captain America, and uh, Iron Man in the same universe, right, uh, without the intentionality in the back catalog. Yeah, because they don't really address, they just, they go to the Voorhees house and there's a Necronomicon in the basement. Right, so Jason's sort of, not really a bad guy. He's and one the, of the dagger, I mean, do, did I miss something? There's no backstory to the dagger, right? No. It's just a magic dagger. That he has. Yeah, he right. just has a magic dagger. And when she touches the dagger, it changes into the Excalibur that it is. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. I thought I'd miss something, but then I didn't no, think I'd missed point. anything. And how does he know? Where does he get this information? His girlfriend was killed by Jason, and that's why he wants to kill Jason, but that didn't make it to the final cut of the movie. Oh. Uh, well, neat. Yeah, I, mean, I thought that was kind of interesting when I learned that detail, but as far as the magic knife goes... Doesn't ever say. Yeah, where do you get that? I, and I think that's maybe the big problem. This is like, we're going to be the mythology movie. And then it really does sort of shit the bed as far as right. doing a coherent mythology. I mean, I love a mythology expanding entry in a franchise. I sure. think a lot about Paranormal Activity 3, where, yeah. you know, they go backward in the 80s and they talk about this sort of cult or whatever that's trying to bring about something in these particular children or a particular generation of children ends yeah. up being revealed to be like that all works you know yeah, for that okay so i guess what we we've come to now then is doing a mythology entry isn't necessarily a bad move but it can really go sideways on right you. um yeah you did just sort of mention this and i think you're right he's kind of a deadite is the implication right right like Pamela Voorhees has a copy of the Necronomicon and accidentally cursed her son. That's what it sounds like, yeah. I guess that's what we get. Um, but the, again, the movie doesn't really tease it out any further than there's a scary demon book in their basement. Which is kind of a mistaken choice because part of the reason why Jason is an interesting villain in this series is that he is an agent of vengeance because he was done wrong. He was, yeah. he was ignored, He's neglected. neglected, mistreated, and, you know, traumatized by witnessing what he sees as the murder of his mother. And if you turn it into, no, he was always possessed of Satan. It loses birth. that. It loses some of that, you know, emotional uh, connective tissue. I mean, not that it matters that much. It makes him less series. sympathetic. Right, right. He's sympathetic up to this point. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, even even when he's a zombie, he's still sort of like running on great white shark, shark mm. uh, instinct memory. You know, at that point, it's like, I, I must clean out the camp. Mm-hmm. 
you know, that's just what he's operating with, which well, still works. That does kind of give us a good pivot point. Uh, speaking of him cleaning up the camp, Jason's whole deal is punishing uh, people having a good time because people having a good time got him drowned as a child. Mm-hmm. Uh, do, do we have anything there? I mean, we've talked about horror movies and slasher movies on this show before, so we've talked about its sort of conservative tendencies as a genre. So in Crystal Lake Memories, they talk about, so the scene where the, the campers are going to the Crystal Lake and Steve drops, or whatever his name is. Yeah, his oh, yeah, Steve. you're going to go get, smoke a bunch of dope yeah, yeah. and have premarital so, sex and get slaughtered. He drops them off there and they get murdered right in the tent. Yeah. So that was an add-on after they'd finished filming. Really? The so. studio New Line wanted that because they thought they needed more needed Jason more or whatever. Yeah, yeah. More, more, that, more TNA yeah, yeah. too, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, but uh, the the bit is, right, that uh, they don't use the condom while, yeah. they're, while they're doing their thing, while they're fornicating. Uh, so I guess, the, so the director's talking, he said that one of the headlines in like Wall Street Journal or something is like announced, uh, Jason Goes to Hell as the return of morals to the cinema. Because of that scene alone. It's a pro safe sex scene. But he scene. said yeah. that uh, when Jason or the mortici- uh, the morgue uh, mm-hmm. attendant I can't think of, uh, steps on the condom mm-hmm. as he's walking up, that the crowd just lost their minds because they knew so what was going to come. That's mm-hmm. so funny. So, but yeah, I mean, it is that thing, right? It's like. It is that the return of morals? Yeah, that, Kevin. Uh, well, I mean, it begins in the beginning. Kevin Bacon smokes dope and gets laid and gets killed. I mean, that's yeah. exactly the order of what happens. You know, yeah, from movie one. Mm-hmm. That is sort of the movie's franchise's deal. And I mean, but it, I remember in Jason X. I know. Oh, go ahead, Arthur. I was going to say I, I don't. I think it's like a weird way to come back to frame it because I don't think in the story of the movies those things were just distractions. Those were the things that distracted the counselors mm-hmm. from saving Jason. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it's like a necessarily, a, it has become like a moral issue. Right. But I right. think for Mrs. Voorhees, it was always, they were so busy with whatever, you know, be selfish pleasures of, of partying and having fun and ignoring my son. Right. But we've kind of half lapsed on like, Oh yeah, no, no drinks, no drugs, no, no sex, and, and that this kind of represents that. And really, I mean, you don't see Jason himself actually moralizing because he's trying to kill everybody. Sure. He just he just is unable to kill those who are not involved in those things because, well, they're able to think straight and they're, they're not distracted by sex and dope. Yeah, exactly. But he does have moments because he doesn't kill the children at the camp in right. there six is a, or seven. Uh, oh, yeah, one of them uh, or four. There are kids in a yeah in a cabin full of kids who yeah. doesn't kill any children. So. He stops, looks, and then goes on with his life. Interesting. Yeah. What an interesting sort of moment for the Friday. But he's a kid himself still. Ah. Right? As yes, as Manhattan uh, teaches us, when what is it? He is uh, murdered and then reborn as just seven-year-old Jason, who had been living inside the the body oh, for right on. Wait, yeah. that happens in Jason Takes Manhattan. I think it's Manhattan. Yeah, yeah. 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 He's he's a little baby, little boy. Wild. <laughs> Yeah. Wild. Well, it does sort of seem like he's going to take the the form of a baby in this movie for, for a couple of times. A couple of moments, it seems like he's going to possess the baby. Well, and, and the immediate transformation as soon as he goes into Diana, you know, which would be would been the case if he'd gotten into Jessica or the baby. He immediately just is full out Jason in his <laughs> so funny Jason body, which now, is hilarious. I will say, and it's interesting that this movie gets derided for its plot direction so much because the idea of possession in this franchise isn't new. Because the big thing was. Is Tommy Jarvis going to become possessed? Yeah, that's that, the big leave off for four. Interesting. Is that Tommy Jarvis or five? Uh, is that four. To- yeah, yeah, four is when, when he hacks him with the machete and he dies. But in five, that's the final chapter. But in five, when we get grown up, Tommy Jarvis. Yeah, like he might actually be. Yeah, they the pull killer. that trigger. Is 
actually Tommy Jarvis, the new Jason. Interesting. So this idea of evil possession that. isn't new to the franchise. This is the first time they've really tried to run with it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what hurt him. Yeah. Hey, you remember when that guy that was a host to Jason turns into goo? Mm-hmm. It doesn't make any sense. Boy, is it cool. But it's a great effect, yeah. Holy and, shit. Yeah, very much the melty guy out of RoboCop is what I thought about a lot. You know, when the guy goes in the... Uh, Nuclear oh yeah, waste, when Kirkwood Smith falls in the yeah, the, 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 the well, it's not Kirkwood Smith. Kirkwood Smith runs over the guy that falls in the waste. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it's right. a what, punk gangster number three. Yeah, whatever yeah. that guy is. I know exactly which guy you're talking about. So now. yeah, it, it does feel very squishy, melty uh, for that. And I love the practical effects uh, always in the series. They're always fantastic. It is the strength of this franchise. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's sort of its calling card. Is the, I mean, Savini worked on how many of them? Uh, he worked on one, four. Six, seven, eight. I knew you would know off the top of your head. I don't know I, how I, I know. I think that's right, but I'm not mm. totally sure. Savini. Savini. It's not that. It's like... One, four, six. Is that it? It's very... Yeah, it's like one, two, it's and then Nicotero he's gone, on and then this he comes one. back. Yeah. Is it, I, I saw the FX credit, and I was doing something else, so I didn't get to look at all the names. Yeah, it's Nicotero on this cool. one. Nicotero's good. He's, yeah, he, I mean, he's one of Savini's students, so he's, yeah. you know, the quality is what you expect. Um... Speaking of things that look cool, but also give us maybe some some thematic. Uh, he only does hang. Friday the Thirteenth, really, and then huh. he comes back for the final chapter. Interesting. Huh. And then, I really thought he worked on more of them. That's it. So huh. just one and four. Yeah, go okay. figure. I thought I thought he moved some of those middle yeah. sequels too. I only knew that because of because <laughs> of the Lake memories. Crystal Lake memories. Well, no, I tell you Shutter. what, that machete through the head in four is incredible. Yeah. Oh, with, Jay's, with, yeah, with yeah, Tommy. Man, I, I I like four a lot. I think four was always the scariest one for me when I was a kid. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, the idea of the heart of darkness and looking into it uh, and it overtaking you is sort of interesting. The the movie does not do anything with that. Mm-hmm. I want to be very clear that with this we are now sort of trying to find something to say. But I like the idea, even if the movie doesn't really develop the idea at all. Yeah. Um, do you, Do you guys have any thoughts? I mean. <laughs> yeah, that's that's kind of what I expected. That's okay. I, I I think I might say just a little bit about the gender thing here. That's interesting because what we have in this film is our final girl is a final guy. Yes, yeah, and this is not the first film in which a girl and a guy pair both survive. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in this case, we have a guy who's mostly off screen who comes to the rescue at the end. This is what the this is what Jessica does. She's for the most part the film follows Steven. Yes. Yeah. And then yeah. Jessica kind of is an important interest. Yeah. But she doesn't get nearly the screen time and no. she does sort of She's arrive. She's more of a MacGuffin. She's a MacGuffin and she arrives clutch at the end. Yeah. To, she, be to able save to, the damsel in distress. Yeah. The, yeah. the damsel in distress being Steven, which yeah. I think is interesting. That is yeah. interesting. Yeah. I and mean, I guess the gender thing does become interesting that it is a man who is uh, uh, possessed of the, the desire to become Jason, mm-hmm. to eat his heart and become him. That's yeah. sort of something. And there. there's definitely whatever's coming out of these people into the next one is phallic. Boy, is it. Yeah, so there's that. Yeah, a little turd worm. Yes. It's gross looking. <laughs> it's nasty. It's... Go ahead. Well, I was just going to move to the next thing. No, no. go give no. us the next. Please well, give... we've mentioned, I mentioned it off air, and yeah. you've already name dropped the hard copy. So is there anything here to... You know, media. I mean, this is yeah, kind I of that peak, down too. early '90s, 24-hour news cycle, hard copy O.J. Simpson chase kind of moment where we do have this reporter who is manipulating the events of Jessica going home, mm-hmm. right? In in some ways, 
uh, because he's trying to get a story from the Voorhees house. He and he's going to reveal there. Yeah. 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 He does all this kind of stuff just to spike her rating and he's manipulating her the entire time. So I didn't know if, you, if there was much more to it than just don't trust the media kind of a, or just like reporters or, you know, it's, or hard copy reporters are questionable. I think they're a frequent target of these kinds of films. I think about Predator 2 a lot and Tony Pope, I think is a character name mm-hmm. in Predator 2 that's, uh, whatever his show is, I forget, yeah. hard something, you know, a hard copy kind of knockoff. But the media tends to excoriate these films for their sort of wanton violence and misogyny, mm-hmm. which is guilty as charged, let's be clear here. But that being said, they tend to sensationalize real-life murder in yeah. the same way. They're, 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 they're making money off of the same kind of stuff, but it's actually real-life personal horror and so i i think it's one of those you know a pox on you as well kind of moments there yeah uh, and there's there's moments like this in a few of these kinds of series where reporters like this sort of get their up and comings i think there's a moment like this in hell raider 3 uh where um uh mm, what's her name that plays dax and ds9 is kind of a similar kind of character jerry ryan jerry rotten is it jerry no, ryan? i don't know yeah, Jerry Ryan. Oh, you said like Deep Space Nine. Deep Space Nine. Never yeah, mind. that's seven of nine. Yeah. 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 I know you know what you're doing there. <laughs> Terry Farrell. Um, there you go. Uh, that when when she does something kind of like that. Yeah. So uh, I, I think that there are moments where they sort of use these schlock reporters like you guys really know better than us, but you'll have a piece where you'll, you know, oh the next bloody awful terrible. I mean you that's know, the whole Gil Weathers character, right? Yeah, and yeah, scream. Yeah, corrupting the minds of our youth. Uh, movie is out, but here you are now. Playing off, yeah, uh, Courtney real Cox. life trauma, yeah. yeah. Well, and I think that's all of these the tragedy boner. Yeah, there you go. I, but I think that's all of these franchises acknowledging, like, oh, well, if this happened in the real world, the media wouldn't be able to stay off of this story. Yeah, they wouldn't be, they wouldn't be able to stop talking about mm-hmm. it. Yeah, if some guy in a hockey mask was had a body count of eighty people and just couldn't, <laughs> the cops couldn't catch him. I think the confirmed count is eighty three at the beginning of Jason yeah. versus Freddy. Wow! Wow! They say it's over eighty in the start of this movie. Mm. Uh, maybe it is. Maybe I'm doing. Maybe I'm. Maybe they say eighty-seven. I, I back to back those two movies when I watched the yeah, first one. So that's why you like that. They, they've watched. They've watched. I, I wanted to watch Freddie and Jason. I haven't seen it in a while. It's I, fun. I think it's fun. It's I remember fun. thinking it was a hoot. I love that stinger at the end. Yeah, that stinger this? that works of this one. Yeah, this yeah, one, it's yeah. cool. It's, it's a cool moment. <laughs> Beck and I watch this together. And she <laughs> goes, "Wait a second, was that Freddie?" Like yeah yeah that's right. It's Kane Hodder wearing the glove. Is it really? Yeah. Really? That's funny. That yeah. is fun. Um, I want to go back to something you mentioned because you did miss the the, the, the M word misogyny. Mm. Uh, so something pointed out by the director is that he knows the history of these franchises of misogyny, mm-hmm. and he tries to subvert that somewhat by presenting more male nudity. At least mm-hmm. we see the f- full male. Mostly at the because they just got done skinny dipping and they're about to go on the yeah, yeah, so we yeah. had a lot of male body there. But then he also points to the middle aged man on the table, mm-hmm. and the uh, he acknowledges it a homoerotic kiss uh, when the mortician morgue guy mm-hmm. Undertaker uh, shaves. Uh, oh yeah, the man, oh. and then goes in for the uh, fell swoop. Uh, huh. So I didn't know if there's you know is it a moment of because we do open with that highly classic Friday Thirteenth. FBI agent who gets yeah. naked just for no other reason but for the audience. Uh, as soon as she shakes her hair out of that baseball hat, you know what's, you know what's coming. Yeah, and yeah, she yeah. and she's wearing the underclothes for the role, right? Yeah. yeah. So is this an instance of a uh, you know a cake and eat it too moment, or is it? Do you think there is something there that 
is trying to subvert that classic misogyny of these films by presenting more male nudity, maybe something homoerotic in that I'm definitely moment. Glad to hear the director explain the shaving because I wondered about that. Yeah. That was a weird moment. Yeah, mm-hmm. sort of goes unremarked upon that Jason wants to have a clean shave before he takes the body. And I, that was one of those moments where I really thought, and it's interesting that you talk about being homoerotic because I think that's absolutely what it is. But I was watching this and go, Jason doesn't do this. Jason does not capture torture. Doesn't shave. Doesn't people. prepare. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he. This he's, is some Hannibal Lecter shit. He poses bodies to run you into a funnel so he can chase you down. But this isn't, you know, like hashtag not my Jason. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, which is really kind of ridiculous uh, with the, this kind of movie. But if he's making that kind of turn, I like it, you know, to do something different. But I don't know if it excuses already existent misogyny in this film and in the franchise. It's cool that he knows that it's there yeah. and that he wants to try to do something. But, you know, maybe it's just too early. I Again, I think it's... watching that documentary, it feels like, especially I think on this entry and other entries, that at times there were people who had very good intentions to try to do something new and unique and counter, you know, subversive to what had been done, but the execution just fell apart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think is what happens. Yeah, this this feels like a really interesting. Like, if you wanted to make a, just a brand new franchise to to meet up with the Ash franchise, the Evil Dead franchise, and have yourself a '80s movie slasher, this is it. This is it. Do that and just not Jason. And then it, it, I think it's fun. You know, at that yeah. point. One but last I, thing. It carries too much baggage, though. Before we take it home, uh, the thing that comes up quite often uh, with these sorts of movies and in the documentary is the uh, the much-dreaded uh, real-life slasher, the MPAA. Ah. <laughs> Do we have anything to say about the censorship? Because there is... We watched... I assume we all watched the theatrical cut, but there is a director's cut, and this is the first time where they intentionally filmed footage knowing that they were going to release a unrated director's cut huh. really so they really they filmed the cut for the censors and then they also filmed the additional footage so they could do the unrated how cut. much of it is gore i think most of it really i oh, think there's it? extended sex but, but i think then, most of it's gore because all i recall because i think the first one i ever saw when i saw this film the film yeah. the first time was, was the, the longer was the longer sex scene in the tent yeah because i remember thinking isn't it well, it's fine and i was like i didn't need more of that but i was like wasn't there more of that yeah and that's all i remember so the other you know of the four minutes I'm thinking two minutes is that, and then the other is just like more blood or yeah. I think it's just a, extra gore. gack or whatever. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't know which version I watched. Uh, I watched the version that was on, on the Plex server that I had oh, access to. Yeah. yeah, and I don't know which which version that was, but I was told by the owner of the Plex server that I should watch the director's cut of this movie if I ever watched it. So that might be the version I watched. I don't mm. remember the sex scene being that long. It's not. But in either version. Okay, so maybe I did I don't know. I the gore was very good. Um what I did see. But I yeah, it's very interesting that it's like they, more time spent eating the heart, maybe. Yeah, mm-hmm. or something like that. It's it's interesting that they're one of the first to do that. It becomes such a common trend, especially in the aughts with the comedies. Yeah. Uh that uh, you have to have an unrated cut. Yeah. Uh, it is such a an interesting Well it's a it's a series, especially in the middle section that has such a history fighting the MPAA mm-hmm. because there are a lot of sequences in, I think four is one that gets pointed out right. quite a, a lot, bit. A lot of, a lot of blood and guts in four, but that gets cut out by the MPAA. Mm-hmm. So there's like even more stuff that's cut out and then lost to time, mm-hmm. right? Because the studio just scrapped it or whatever. Gotcha. So it's a, it's a film. So it's, it's kind of a classic Hitchcock thing to say, okay, we're going to shoot this so we can use it when we want to. And they can't say cut it because we know we're going to do an unrated director's cut. Mm-hmm. And that home media is the first time that's really a chance to do that. 
right? Because prior to home media, there was no other place of exhibition. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's just an interesting move to say, okay, we're going to film this version and go ahead and film the extra for a, a later cut that we can sell down the line. Yeah, it does make for an interesting moment in film history, for sure. Yeah. I don't know what the first movie to do that, but the, of the franchise, this is the first one to kind of do that. Really? Interesting. Yeah. So I'm interested. You know, that's just kind of a yeah, serious no, point with the MPAA and everything. Yeah. Well, they're always cool. more allergic to uh, sex than they are to violence, typically. Yeah. So, you but know. Th- that's where the accommodations, right? You can have a little more sex if you cut down the blood. Mm-hmm. You can have a little more blood if you cut out the, the TNA. Yeah. Like, it's the, that give and take is so fascinating. The MPAA is a strange institution. Monster. Strange, strange, strange. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Monster's probably fair. Weird. All right, let's take this thing home. Let's do the shelf or trash ranking for this film. Uh, I'll be curious to know if any Fridays are on your shelves or trash. Um, does this movie go on the shelf or the trash, Arthur? Uh, it is, uh, sorry, Kirsten, very lightly going into the trash again. Uh, not the worst entry in the franchise, but also not my favorite. Yeah. Okay, what do you say, Dalton? I think it's pretty cool. I think if you're going to have the Friday the 13th franchise on your shelf, you should probably go ahead and get this one. Uh, if you're not going to do the entire franchise, I would say of what I've seen, this is one of the more interesting ones. It's definitely a better movie than Jason X, even though Jason X is really fun. <laughs> this is this is a definitely uh, I, I, again, it's it's there's something about this movie that I'm sort of drawn to, even though as we've said, it's it's kind of shaggy. Uh, there's something kind of broken about it, but at the same time, there is something really interesting going on here that uh, I'm drawn to. Maybe if we took a little bit more time, we'd uh, find some more interesting things to say about it. So it's a very light shelving with the caveat, uh, assuming you're shelving the Friday the 13th franchise at all. <laughs> uh, in reality, it's probably very light trashing for me as well, Arthur. For me, it is uh, probably the eighth worst. Wow. Out of all them. So I would say, you know, it, it's be- there's there's several movies it's better than, but it's not great. It's de- not, in, not in the top eight. So uh, that's what I would say, and I would go ahead and trash it gently, because I do love the franchise, i got a lot of affection for it, and I'm a completionist uh, when it comes to this particular franchise. So, yeah, eighth worst, uh, that would make it a light trash. What if Jason were a worm? Is what this movie's poster posits. And is what we get in the movie, although he also has arms when he's a worm in this movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's a solopede. <laughs> What are we talking about next week? Oh, I guess we should do social media first. Social media, tell us things. Yeah, I'll tell you. So if you want to tell us what you think about Jason Goes to Hell, the final Friday, you can email us at goodtrashgenrecast. He's barely in hell in the whole movie. At gmail.com. Not at he's barely in hell the whole movie.com. At gmail.com. That's where you can send us that long form feedback. You can also find us at goodtrashmedia on Twitter. Uh, That's where we post links to this show and other shows in our orbit and just, you know, other stuff that we find interesting at goodtrashmedia. Last but certainly not least, if you want to be like Kirsten and make us watch a movie such as jason goes to hell the final friday do indeed you can go to patreon.com forward slash gtm and get more information on how you become a movie picker uh how you do it is by giving us money uh but there's also other things for you to get like uh getting on our blu-ray and dvd mailing list all kinds of fun goodies for you over there that's patreon.com forward slash gtm arthur it's we're done we're, we're we're done with this episode and now you tell us what comes next well we're gonna keep doing it yeah, I think so. Next well, time I'll remember to actually prep. One more show. One more? Is that in your contract? I got one more. Okay. No, oh, he's back to this business, I see. <laughs> I got a, he's, he's got a good. writer. Yeah, now that we've done mm-hmm. our our, uh, our five-part... Uh, top try, Yeah, our top... We're all the fanfares over. He's back to arguing about his contract. <laughs> 
I'll you put, should see this guy. I'm just going to keep putting those green M&Ms in his trailer and uh, <laughs> he'll be happy. Well, next week, uh, with the Daniels seemingly being everywhere all at once, uh, we're going to take a look back at their feature film debut when we take a look at Swiss Army Man. Ooh. Oh, okay, fun. Yeah, I like an excuse to revisit Swiss Army Man. Uh, especially, yeah, it's been a very successful summer for the Daniels, spring and summer. That movie's still in theaters. Yeah. I can't still believe running. it. Still running. Man. Uh, the Critically biggest, lauded. Yep. Commercial, uh, audiences love it. Uh, it's the biggest number doer for A24 ever, I think, right? Yeah, I'm Didn't pretty it, sure. It, it's, uh, what did it beat? Oh, wasn't, what, what it wasn't it uh, Spring Breakers. Uh, but it's, yeah, it's officially their highest grossing movie. There's the other one before this made sense, but uh, it's, yeah, mm. it's their biggest number. It's like 50 million domestically. So, okay. yeah, let's revisit Swiss Army Man. You seen this one, Dustin? Nope. Ooh, you're uh, Hereditary was the previous. That's right. But, Which is good. Yeah. There okay. we go. So it's A24. We'll keep watching that. So you all keep watching and we'll keep talking and talking and talking. And we'll see you all next time. I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid.